Hello everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Gaming in the Wild, a video games podcast about games from the artistic, creative side of the tracks, from indie to AAA. My name's John, I'm your host, I'm coming to you from Reykjavik, Iceland, where it is a dark, freezing cold night, with heavy rain outside, it's very atmospheric, it's kind of a moody night. Um, it's a bit of a tough time of the year to live out here in Iceland with the daylight, short days, not much light, long nights. Um, leads to a bit of sleep deprivation, a bit of a seasonal affective disorder for m- many people that live here. Um, and I've got a game to talk about today that actually touches on some of those themes in a way that I really enjoyed over the last week or two. It's a game that slipped out in December. Um, a rhythm game on Switch with beautiful pastel graphics and really nice music that we're listening to right now called Melatonin. I've been looking forward to talking about this one um, and that's going to be the featured game of the episode today. Um, but before we get to that, there was a lot of stuff went down this week in uh, in video games. There's a lot of news out there and I don't normally cover an awful lot of news on the show, but there was so much exciting stuff that came out this week that it seems like a good episode to recap some of the news. Um, the big thing that happened was there was an hour-long uh, Nintendo Direct, and all eyes were on that, waiting for loads of different Nintendo games that we all want to see and have been craving, and we actually got a few of them. Um, so I'm going to talk through a little bit of that news as well. Um, there is also the Steam Next Fest currently, with loads of cool games that are now available as demos just for the weekend. If you're listening to this after the 13th of February, Um, then those demos have gone. But it's worth flagging them up if you're one of the early listeners who listens to Gaming in the Wild on the weekend. Then you could hop onto Steam on on your Steam Deck or on your computer, uh, your Windows machine. Most of them are Windows only. And play some of these games. And as I covered an awful lot of them in my uh, Looking Ahead to the Indie Games in 2023 episode, a few episodes ago, I think it's worth flagging those up to people as well. Um, But first up, that Nintendo Direct, it was a big one. You never really know what you're going to get from a Nintendo Direct. Um, Everyone is always hoping for a couple of things. Um, I've been hoping for Metroid Prime Remastered um, for the Switch for every Direct um, that I can think of. And I finally got it. So the first thing I'm going to talk about is Metroid Prime. This is a game that I played when it first came out uh, way back in 2002, I believe. Um, I was a huge fan of Metroid Prime. Um, I've often quoted it on my favorite games of all time lists. It's a game that really, really blew me away at the time. It was Metroid sprung from the 2D Super Metroid style um, that we're all familiar with and brought to life in 3D in a really interesting way. Um, Metroid Prime was such a memorable game for me back when it came out. Um, The music is amazing. Um, It uses in this really cool way that Nintendo does quite a lot, actually. It uses the tropes and recognisable gameplay elements of the original, of of Metroid and Super Metroid particularly. For example, um, there is an initial chase sequence where you have to get out of a space station that's about to explode. The timer's clicking down, ticking down rather, um, and you have to just get out of there. You have to run through obstacles, you have to platform, you have to get past enemies. Um, And so that was in Metroid Prime. And the thing that I really like about Metroid games, it's not the combat, it's not the bosses. It is really the exploration and the sense of being in a dark alien world. 
um, through the Nintendo filter is just fascinating to me. And Metroid Prime does an incredible job of recreating the feeling, the feeling of Metroid, which is, I guess, related to um, 80s and 90s sci-fi, like when this series first came out. So it reminds me a little bit of games like Alien. Um, I think there is a strong alien influence in the Metroid world. It's probably the most grown-up and dark, even though it's a sci-fi um, series that Nintendo has ever made. Um, and so I really like Metroid. I've always loved it. And I was really happy to see Prime Remastered come to Switch and bought it immediately. It's $35, or I think uh, £35 and $40 US. Um, so it's it's not bad. You know, we've seen worse from Nintendo when it comes to uh, prices for remakes, remasters, and that sort of thing. But I have bought it. I have downloaded it. And it has been updated with twin stick controls that the original did not have, um, improved graphics. Um, and I haven't started it yet. I'm saving it so I can sit down and really put some hours into it and not be skipping between games like I am right now. But I'm so happy to have Metroid Prime on my Switch. That was a really big announcement for me, and I think for a lot of people. So Metroid Prime, out now. They shadow dropped it, as the kids say, in the US. Um, or Snap released it, if you are in the UK English zone. So that's out now. Really good announcement in the Direct. Um, they also announced a couple other things that came out right away. So we now have Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games in the Nintendo Online offering. Um, I think I'm in the plus one, so I got these and downloaded them right away. Jumped into a whole bunch of games and just had you know, little half-hour sessions or less, even 10-minute sessions on some of these games. Original Game Boy Tetris is there. It's lovely to see that colour scheme and hear that music. Um, the various Mario and Wario and Mario Kart games. Uh, Metroid 2 is there, which I've never played before, so I'll be looking forward to trying that one out. There was a Fire Emblem game. Um, Zelda The Minish Cap, um, a game that I've played on, I think, Advance, Game Boy Advance. I um, absolutely love that one. I've been playing it on the original handheld console, so it's lovely to see it on Switch with the graphics blown up for that screen, looking all crisp and colourful. Uh, Mario and Luigi is in there. Um, we got a little tease as well of some things that are coming. Um, I think a couple of these slipped by people, but it was quite exciting. So they're bringing the Oracle of Ages and the Oracle of Seasons, which are kind of the lost 2D Zelda games, I think. They've only been available on cartridge, and if you had a, a Wii U and you could get them on the little handheld thingy. Um, they were available in the digital store for 3DS, so which I think is closed now. So you really had to want to play them and go and seek them out. But those two games are forthcoming. So they're coming to the um, Nintendo Online offering as well, which is great news. Uh, Metroid Fusion was in there as well. So loads of great Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games coming. This, this feels like such a nice uh, big drop for that Nintendo Online surface, service. You have... NES games now, Super Nintendo games, and Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games are just a wonderful addition. I do wonder if we will get Nintendo 64 at some point, because um, it's so lovely to just have all of Nintendo's classic retro titles in the Switch. Um, and it's starting to mount up now. So if it ends up being this wonderful um, back library of all the Nintendo classics, it's going to be a lovely, lovely thing to have on Switch. So I was very happy about that one too. We also got a couple of updates. Um, Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp, which was paused because of the Russia-Ukraine war, um, seeing as it uses literally red and blue troops, um, seems to be set in that part of the world. Uh, Nintendo put a pin in it for a while. Um, that's coming out now on April 21st. Um, I played this one back on the Game Boy Advance. I loved Advance Wars, so I'm looking forward to that as well. 
Pikmin 4 got a new trailer and a release date. It's coming out on July 21st. Um, it was interesting to see a little more gameplay, a little more of what's new about it. It certainly looks like it's been graphically updated. It looked lovely and smooth and colourful. Um, the perspective and the camera looked really good. And the camera wasn't always great in the original Pikmins. We saw some new elemental Pikmin, like ice Pikmin. So there are going to be new types of Pikmin to meet and to work with. Um, and they've also added this giant dog character. Again, it's like Pikmin is always set. It's like this Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, You're Tiny in a Human World kind of vibe. Um, and so there's this big old cute dog that is going to be in there now as well that you can use to ride your Pikmin across water and to bound up cliff sides and break through obstacles. Um, and I think that everyone's hearts melted a little bit when they saw that. So Pikmin 4, July 21st. We also saw a new Tears of the Kingdom trailer with some new glimpses at what the game is actually going to look like. Um, it's really nice that it's sticking to that May 12th release date, no more delays in the works for Zelda. Um, and we saw a couple things that we hadn't seen before as well. We saw what looked like modular vehicles, um, which would really be amazing. It kind of builds on the the freedom and the emergent gameplay and the physics systems that made Breath of the Wild into such an enduring title, especially on Twitter and on streams and stuff. You see people doing the most crazy things like using metal weapons to conduct electricity in ways that they weren't meant to do, uh, catapulting themselves around by messing with the physics. And so the idea of being able to potentially build vehicles that can fly um, or that are land vehicles, like there was an, a cart um, that looked like a kind of flatbed truck. There was a hovercraft and they looked modular. So if you can put together these different things and click together vehicles within that game, it's really going to enhance the sandbox aspects that people really enjoyed in Breath of the Wild. And we saw another nod to the time looping mechanic. Um, the music at the end of the trailer wound backwards with this strange chanting. Um, and we have seen a few glimpses of time mechanics, like we've seen a spiked ball rolling downhill and then Link was able to grab it in midair and roll it backwards up the hill, knocking enemies out of the way. Um, we've seen Link holding on to a boulder that's fallen from a high place and reversing time while holding on to it to shoot back up into the air. So between the modular vehicles, the time looping, it looks like it's going to be very vertical. Um, very excited for Tears of the Kingdom. We're starting to get just a few glimpses at what the game might actually look like, and I'm so excited for it. It's only three months away now, and I can't wait. There were a few demos and DLC as well. I don't play any of these games, but I think that some people who listen to the show do. Uh, Splatoon 3, Fire Emblem Engage, Mario Kart, and Xenoblade 3 are all getting DLC. So players of those games will have fresh content to play. Um, a few more remasters were announced. Uh, Kirby's Return to Dreamland from the Wii is coming to Switch. Uh, we Love Katamari is coming. Um, some games that I hadn't heard of before. There's a game called Baton Kaitos, I want to say. I don't know how I'm if I'm pronouncing that right. These are GameCube RPGs that some people seemed really excited to see. Um, I hadn't heard of those ones, so that's kind of interesting to watch. A game called Fantasy Life coming as well, like a 3DS life sim game. So loads of back catalogue stuff coming through. Um, a couple of demos dropped as well. A demo for Octopath Traveler 2. And the one that I was most excited about, Sea of Stars. Uh, this is one of the games that was on my indie look ahead to this year episode. And so Sea of Stars has a demo. It's downloaded on my Switch now. Um, I haven't had a chance to play it, but I will be playing that over the weekend and I'll talk about it next week. 
Um, there are a few updates to indie games as well, or indie-ish games. Um, Bayonetta Origins, we saw a little more of that one. That's coming out March 17th. This is the uh, Bayonetta origin story with a hand-drawn art style, top-down view. We saw a little more gameplay. It looks like Bayonetta will be working alongside a giant creature, a little bit like a miniature 2D Last Guardian sort of vibe there. Um, I think the jury is out on this with most people. Uh, we're not quite sure what to expect from Bayonetta Origins. I feel like it could land anywhere from 60 to 90 on Metacritic, this one. I've really got no idea. A um, couple ones that I hadn't seen before as well. Um, we got an announcement on Tron Legacy by Bithel Games, who made Thomas Was Alone and the uh, Subsurface Circular and Quarantine Circular games. And this Tron game looks a little bit like those Subsurface games. It looks like a choice-based text adventure, but with beautiful on-screen graphics that just bring the whole thing to life. Um, so I'm very curious to see what Bithel will do with the uh, the Tron universe. I have not played John Wick Hex, um, the last licensed game that they released, but it's very interesting that Bithel Games is looking into this, this licensed world. It must be very pricey to get your hands on these licenses, um, but I'm curious to see what they do with Tron. Um, and the final one I've got from the Direct that stuck with me was a game called Harmony, The Fall of Reverie by Don't Nod, who made the original Life is Strange. And this looks like a super stylish visual novel uh, with you travelling between different worlds, uh, talking to different people. It had a very, very striking visual style. So Harmony, Fall of the Reverie came firmly onto my radar after that as well. It was really quite a packed Direct. Um, there was lots of excitement in the Discord about it and on Twitter about it. Um, Nintendo really delivered with this one. I think this was one of the most packed directs I've ever seen. Um, we also had Steam Next Fest coming online. So this was a whole bunch of games. Some of them I'd heard of before and have had my eye on. Um, and they got demos. There's so many demos on Steam right now. Um, some of them were new games to me, although it seems some folks have been following these ones for a while. I'll start with the new ones. Um, there is a game called Shadows of Doubt which has a really beautiful visual style. It's like a dark, noir, detective game with a cyberpunky kind of feel I was picking up, maybe. Um, it looks like a 3D exploration game where you're investigating cases. Um, the graphics are absolutely lovely. It all seems to be set at night. Um, there is voxel rain, just torrents of rain falling down on this city. Um, the voxel style is really crunchy and interesting, uh, the way that light catches it and so forth. It's kind of grimy and crunchy. Um, it looks a little bit like the game Cloudpunk, if you've seen that one. That's another voxel exploration game. But there's lots you can do in this one. There's footage of you playing pool um, with realistic physics. You can take photographs and investigate as a PI, go and uh, like take photographs through people's windows and see where they are going and investigating what they're up to and seeing if they're up to no good, just doing all kinds of private eye stuff. Um, and I've seen a couple of people talking about this demo and saying that this is an instant hit for them and that they'd fallen in love with it within 10 minutes. I have it downloaded on my Mac, although all of the demos I'm going to talk about here are Windows only. So I run them on a partition drive on my Mac, which means that they are slow and a bit janky and rough when I play them. But I will play them anyway, just to get a little taste of those games. Um, I think most Windows games are getting a Mac port upon release now, which is great news. Uh, from people that run Macs like me. Um, there was another really interesting one called Mika and the Witch's Mountain. This looks like Kiki's Delivery Service The Game, if you've seen that. Um, you will be flying around on a broomstick in a cartoon, colourful world, uh, flying through rings in the Star Fox style. 
flying around cliffs and obstacles and tall buildings, um, presumably delivering things, maybe a bit of fetch questing in there, taking things to people. It was a very, very colourful and arresting looking world. Um, so I've downloaded that demo as well. Um, and there was another one here that was a recommendation from Soccer on the uh, Gaming in the Wild Discord called Radio the Universe. Um, and the trailer for this one just looks nuts. It's a very surreal looking pixel art adventure. Um, it has loads of really cool effects on the graphics. It's got this sort of psychedelic warping effect uh, with static and crackle that looks like it's maybe digital distortion or VHS tape. Um, reminded me a little bit of something like Signalis or To the Moon, where there is a world that seems like it's apparent what is happening, but the visual distortions and the, the time skip nature of things um, looks very interesting. It looks like there's more to it than meets the eye. Um, and I haven't quite seen that visual style before, so Radio the Universe is another one that I've got downloaded. Um, there were two updates on games that I did talk about in that preview episode. Um, there is a Planet of Lana demo now. I think everyone is aware of this game by now. It's the very pretty Studio Ghibli-ish looking uh, side-scroller in which you are going to be solving puzzles, in which you have a little robotic friend that runs along behind you. Um, and it looks like it's set in a sci-fi world where there is a War of the Worlds type thing going on, where the aliens have come down and invaded. You have to solve puzzles to progress. You have to jump up onto ledges, um, flick switches, all that sort of thing, push crates around. Um, and I did play the demo of this one. It's only a 20-minute demo. Um, I will say that the the visual style, whilst beautiful, um, looks a little bit like the original Prince of Persia from way back in the day. Games like Another World as well, rotoscoped games, games like Flashback. And while that visual style is really cool, um, as I was playing this, I did get a flashback to those games in a bad way as well, because heavily animated um, sprites does mean that if you turn, for example, it might feel a little laggy because you have to wait for the animations to play out before you can move. So it's like the opposite of something like Hollow Knight, where you're super snappily controlling this character that just very, very responsive controls. Uh, Planet of Lana has pretty muddy, con slow controls. Um, I will also say that there were some puzzles that were logical in a pleasing way, like you could figure them out at a glance. Um, also a little basic, like we've done an awful lot of pushing crates and flicking switches in our lives as gamers, um, and there's an awful lot of that in the, the intro to Planet of Lana. There is also stealth gameplay where you have to crouch and hide in grass, and these big spider-like robots will... Um, have blue eyes as they are acting as sentries. If they spot you, it turns to red. If they catch you, you are instantly killed. So you have to wait until their backs are turned and then do this quite fast movement to try and evade them and move past them. And if you combine instant death stealth with the muddy controls that I was talking about, I found it a little frustrating, I'm going to be honest. Um, I've never liked insta-death insta stealth stuff. I always find it frustrating. So this is a me thing, this is a taste thing. Um, other people have really enjoyed that demo of Planet of Lana, uh, but for me the jury is out anyway. Um, the final game that I'm going to talk about from the Steam Next Fest is Highwater. Um, this is the game that is set in the world of Golf Club Wasteland by Demagogue Studio. Um, that's a golf game that I really enjoyed with a, a very story-heavy game. Um, and we got a little more info about the story of Highwater. It's set during the evacuation of Earth that predates the environments that we see in Golf Club Wasteland. So the Earth is in a climate catastrophe. Um, and in this game, 
um, we got a quote saying, when the ultra-rich are leaving Earth and heading to Mars, the player, a normie, takes to the flooded world in an attempt to sneak on board the rocket. Um, so that's a great scenario set up for high water. Um, it's before Golf Club Wasteland, so it's the events that led up to that game. Seems like a really exciting premise. Um, the fact that it's turn-based tactics is very interesting to me. Um, I have not yet dipped into the gameplay, but I do have it downloaded, so I'm looking forward to trying out High Water. I think the Steam Fest Next Festa runs out on the 13th of February, which is Monday. So if you're listening to this before then, you can hop onto your computer or your Steam Deck, if the games are compatible, and check out all of these demos yourself. So there we go. That was a non-characteristic uh, news block for the podcast. I um, hope that was useful to some of you. Um, before we get onto that melatonin review, let me just mention that this is a patron-supported show. Um, a whole bunch of people support the show over on Patreon at patreon.com slash gaminginthewild. Um, those people get access to the show's Discord, which is just a really, really lovely community. Um, it's been very, very active lately. We're playing Fantasy Critic, we're playing Wordle, talking about all different kinds of games. Loads of people are playing Pentiment, loads of people are playing Hi-Fi Rush... Um, the conversation is just popping off over there lately. You're welcome to come and join us if you'd like to support the show, get the extra episodes, join the Discord. It's patreon.com slash gaminginthewilds. As always, a big thank you to all my existing patrons and a big thank you to you if that's something you consider. And with that said, let's move on and talk about the featured game of this episode, Melatonin. <laughs> So Melatonin is a 2022 game developed and published by Half Asleep, the solo developer David Huynh. Uh, music is by Darby Phillips and a mixed bunch of artists like Gravity Sound and Yotam Perel. It came out on Switch, Mac and PC. I played it on Switch, it plays perfectly. Um, I did wonder sometimes if uh, playing it on a controller might have led to more precise inputs. Something about having your hands on either side of the screen um, felt a little less coordinated to me. Um, maybe that was just me, though. Um, this game was revealed on an Indie World Direct in May of 2022. I've had my eye on it since then. Um, it's a really, really compelling-looking game. Um, I think it captured a lot of people's imaginations. It came out on December 15th, which means that it was in the December release window when lots of people were winding down for Christmas. Lots of critics had clocked out for Games of the Year. Um, and it might not have gotten the love that it deserves for that reason. And we see that on Metacritic. It has 77 on PC from only 11 reviews. It has 87 on Switch from only 5 reviews. Um, and there aren't enough ratings for a user score. Uh, which seems unusual for a game of this stature. I can only guess that the December release window kind of blunted the hype after the indie world showing that it had. Um, How Long to Beat has this at 2 hours for the story, 3.5 for extras, and 7 hours for completionists. Um, I played it at about 4 hours, but I'm still going. There are some courses that I want to get the 3 star ratings on. I think it's a little bit replayable, this one, until you've uh, maxed out all of your ratings. And the developers describe it like this. They say, 
Melatonin is a rhythm game about dreams and reality merging together, harmonized through a variety of dreamy levels containing surprising challenges, hand-drawn art, and vibrant music without any intimidating overlays or interfaces. And I'm not a big rhythm game player, but it is true that this one doesn't have any of that kind of four tracks all streaming towards you with different buttons to hit on the beat. It's all conveyed through animation in this game, so it is perhaps a simplified rhythm game in some ways. And my take on this one is, Melatonin is a short and sweet rhythm game that combines pastel colours, soft line art and lo-fi beats. You tap and combo your way through the mundane dreams of a sleep-deprived protagonist, and you're left feeling relaxed focused and optimistic. Um, and there is a lot to like about this one. Um, the art and the music in Melatonin is wonderful. It has a wonderful washed out sort of pink, chalky, blue uh, palette to it. All of the line drawn animation is just wonderful to look at. Um, the music has a really nice sound to the whole thing. Um, this is a, a really aesthetically strong game. Um, and it really sells the gameplay um, through how good it looks and how good it feels. But this game begins when you play as a protagonist who is a heavy-lidded, hoodie-wearing, sleepless guy who is uh, curled up in their couch, struggling to sleep. And we see them looking at the TV, we're looking at them across the television, and they are nodding off, they are heavy-eyed, they are clearly in need of some melatonin, or at least some kind of sleep therapy. Um, and at this time of the year in Iceland, I very much uh, relate to this protagonist. Um, but they sit looking at the TV, and eventually they nod off. There is a wash comes over the screen, and we are taken to the overworld. It's a really small little overworld, and the game is divided into four different nights in which your protagonist is trying to sleep. And in each night, there are four levels. You pop out into that little overworld. Each level is a little circle on the floor. Uh, you pick the first one, and then you go into the rhythm game. Each of those four in each night is a different dream, um, a different rhythm challenge based on whatever you're dreaming about. And all of the dreams are very different gameplay. Like sometimes you'll be scrolling from left to right, catching burgers whilst flying over a city because you're dreaming about food. Then other times you'll be going into the screen in like an X-Wing fighter, shooting down enemies in rhythm because you're dreaming about gaming. Um, there are other ones where you're running a cash register and endless uh, valuable objects keep coming down the conveyor belt and you have to beep them in rhythm. Um, there is a weightlifting game you're dreaming about exercising, uh, presumably to try and tire yourself out for sleep. Um, so it's all of the kind of concerns of modern life, basically, that you're dreaming about here. Um, and they're all represented in different side-scrolling, vertically scrolling, or, you know, different presented levels, each with their own custom animation. Um, they all look and feel really, really fun, and they all use different rhythms. But what you're actually doing is that in each of these levels, there will be a track playing. Um, they will all have different rhythms, different tempos, different melodies, and you have to hit on the rhythm. Um, and this gameplay is pretty interesting in that like, it, it will use the, the X button on the beat sometimes, or on the half beat. Sometimes you have to hold and release. So you're hitting hold, you're waiting for a cue, and then you're releasing on cue. Sometimes you're hitting rapidly in a row. Um, sometimes you're using combinations of buttons. So it's like X is the main button, and then L to do something that leans left, like jump between ladders, and then R to do something else, like jump right between ladders. Or if you are in 
the the work level, um, emails will come at you from front, left, and right, and you get like a, a, a very short visual cue, and you have to really use your reactions here um, and learn the patterns a little bit. So you, if an email comes at you from the front, then you hit X, left, you hit left, right, you hit right. Sometimes it comes from somewhere else, and you have to hit all the buttons at once. And depending on how you do, you can get one star, you can get two stars, and you can get three stars on each level. Um, if you get into a streak, you'll get more points and the gauge will fill up faster based on how your performance is going. So you're really incentivized to get a good run going. And it's a really nice feeling to settle into a track, learn the patterns and start firing on all cylinders. Something that seemed really well planned to me and something that I really appreciated was that when you first are confronted with a new level, you are forced to play through a practice session. This is very different to the rest of the game. Uh, when you play in the practice mode, uh, the music happens, you see the animations, you start to learn the cues, but there is a very clear online prompt that tells you when to hit the button, uh, when to hold down a button, when to release it. So each level takes a moment to train you in what is expected of you. And I think that that is actually very, very smart, letting you see the rhythms visually. I think maybe this came through playtesting. It feels like maybe it did. If that's the case, then it's to be lauded. Because I think if I was thrown into these levels and left to figure out how I was supposed to interact with each rhythm by myself, it could have been pretty frustrating. Um, I could have feel pretty lost. Um, but the practice mode and being forced to go through it at least once really helped with me orienting myself in what each of these levels wanted from me. Um, and after you finish the practice mode, you can go into scored mode. Um, this is the mode where you can start to get score, you can start to get star ratings that can let you progress. The visual indicators are gone, so at that point you have been trained in uh, the rhythms that you're expected to do. And after you've managed to complete the scored level, you get offered the hard level as well. This is where the fun really begins, because it not only is it a faster version of the track, but different rhythms are introduced that are more complex, uh, more reaction-based. Um, and I actually found the hard mode often easier to do than the scored mode. Um, it was easier to get into a flow with a faster track and to start getting into a rhythm with your button presses. Um, but the funny thing about that is that if you only got like one star in the scored mode, you can still progress into hard. You can master hard mode and get three stars and drop back down to scored with all of the, the knowledge that you've just accrued and the um, the learning of the track and the button presses. And then you can just top up your scored mode to get three stars in all of them. But it's worth saying that it's, it's, it's very much worth trying to master the different rhythms of every single level that you come across. Because after you have completed like each level to a, an a acceptable degree, a final level will open up on each night of the game, on each of the four nights of your sleepless protagonist's game. Um, and that is a really fun part of the game because all of the rhythms in each level are different. For example, if you are watering plants, um, it's very much like um, the rhythm is going along, there's a conveyor belt coming along. You come to a plant and you have to hit tap, tap, tap to water the plant. And then you have to hit hold and then let go to soak the plant. And then in another game, there'll be a baseball game where the balls are coming at you thick and fast and you have to hit on the offbeat, hold and then release to 
whack the ball out of the park. Each one demands like a different learning of the track. All of the tracks have different rhythms. Um, and the final level of each night mixes them all together. And this is so much fun. So you'll be watering plants for one bar, hitting baseballs for a second bar, uh, shooting aliens in an arcade machine for the third bar, and then scanning items across a belt on the fourth bar. So as well as the temptation of getting perfect star levels which appeal to the gamer brain, there is like definitely a material reason to, to figure out and to learn the levels. Um, even if there are some that you feel more easy in, there is definitely some of the levels where the rhythm and the, uh, the, the button presses just seemed like second nature to me. And there were others that felt very unintuitive, like the plant watering and the baseball. You really have to think about those ones, and it kind of swims against your natural rhythmic inclination. Um, and you are incentivized to learn all of them, because you're going to have to play all of them um, in quick succession in that final level. So the way that the tutorialization, the progression, and the finale of each of the four nights works is very well thought out, and it really appealed to me. Like I, I really enjoyed... Um, maxing out all of the levels, even the ones that I wasn't enjoying as much as others. They were all really fun to do, and I knew that by mastering them all, I was making my life easier. Um, and those those finale levels where all of the different activities that you're doing with all of those different rhythms are mashed together were the most fun parts of the game. Um, and they're like the boss battles of this game. You really get a feeling of being involved in the track because the buttons that you're pressing are causing sound effects that sound like they're part of the music. You end up mind melding with each track, basically. Um, your actions feel like they are causing the music. It's a really lovely way to experience interactive music and a really fun way of progressing through this game. about this one too is that the activities that you do they they are like dreams that you might have but there is a certain resignation to them like it's very much like shopping is the dream and you are swiping like you have to work the desk and you're panicking about work um, and then in sports you are holding the bat back and whacking balls out of the park um, and if you miss them then it's like a late bat or a miss um, and then there is working out where your character is sweating away, uh, pumping iron in the gym with their personal trainer or whatever. Um, there is a dating one where you're swiping left, swiping right, swiping left, swiping right, different rhythms. Um, sometimes the screen goes invisible so you don't know where you're swiping. And there is like a general feeling of recognition of some, some kind of modern life that we are in where you can't sleep at night, where there is computer culture, where you spend a lot of time looking at screens and you have lots of uh, worries about, about money, about work. And so between the lines of this very light-seeming game, there is actually some, some recognition of the reality of life in the area that we're in that I found kind of comforting. Um, and I think it, it added a lot to, to what, this game, what this game is and uh, how it feels to play it. And it is also possible to get better each level. Um, if you hit early, 
then you will get an early indicator on the screen. Things will flash orange. If you get it correct, then a blue flash will flash up on the screen. You get a perfect. You can also get a late, which is red. Um, and lots of things that you see in the screen are trying to communicate to you exactly how you are doing. If you are hitting the beat or not, you'll get a flash of color that will appear in various parts of the screen based on whatever animation you are in. You will see if it is blue. You will know that you're doing well. You will notice if it is an orange one and you were too early. And at the end of every level, you'll get like a, a rating. You'll see how many early hits you had, how many perfects you had, how many lates you had, and how many misses you had. And based on that is how you get your stars. You'll get one star, two stars, or the elusive three stars that let you know that you were almost perfect in the level. Um, so it's, it feels very possible to improve. Um, and I found that very addictive. I found myself playing levels again in quick succession until I had maxed out that three, just trying to learn it. Um, even if the animations were occasionally um, not entirely clear, and I felt like my eye wasn't entirely reading the screen in time, even if you can't quite read the animations enough to do it intuitively and instinctively, um, you can just learn the level. So that's a separate way of getting through it. So uh, brute forcing it, I guess, but still satisfying to do. And I think my favourite thing about this game, all told, was that somehow there was a sense of focus that came to me while I was playing Melatonin, like a gentle sense of focus, like I found myself after a session realising that I'd only been thinking about the game, like the game, whilst I was playing it, it was all that occupied my mind, like it fully occupied my senses, it was a type of focus and a type of concentration, um, there was a feeling of late night moments as well, like looking at screens, feeling sleepless, um, I certainly feel that in my life and I think a lot of people do. Uh, worrying at night, like uh, before bed, like worrying about your life. Um, the kind of things that we worry about in life, the kind of things that might haunt our minds, like money and work and love, dating, shopping and fitness, and all of that kind of concerns of modern life in a certain way, are all very present in this game um, in a way that I, I feel um, spoke to me in some way. Um, it's also quite a tender look at how it feels to be alive right now, to be fretting about things, to be blinded by white screens when we should really be sleeping. And between the soft colour palette, the lovely music, um, the repetitive getting into the zone flow state that you have to get into to really do well at this game, um, and eventually, hopefully, getting some sleep, um, the whole thing left me feeling relaxed somehow. It left me feeling kind of seen somehow. And I felt like there was something something warm here. There's something more than you see on the surface here. Yes, it's a fun rhythm game. And yes, it's fun to just plow through those levels and hit the button on the beat. But there's a feeling that comes from this game that was really, really nice, actually. Um, I have actually watched streams of this game because I wanted to see other people doing perfect runs because I couldn't quite get them. Um, and at the end of finishing this game, like all of the streamers just seem to lean back in their seat and just smile faintly and say, this game was good, man. And like, I think that's a combination of the, the look, the feel, the music, the subject matter, and the, the mode of concentration that it encourages all lean into something 
quite special. I think I came away from this game feeling quite warm and fuzzy, um, and I think other people did too. Um, I think this is a, a real strong recommend from me, and it certainly would have snuck into my Games of the Year mentions, if not the top 10, um, had I played it back in December. Uh, maybe that means I should allow it for next year. Uh, we'll see how I do with that, but a wonderful game. Definitely try it. That's Melatonin. <laughs> So I hope you enjoyed that review of Melatonin. That was a really wonderful little game. I'm a little sad uh, when I looked at Metacritic that it hasn't had more love. I certainly feel like it deserves it. Um, Switch was a really nice way to play it. I got a, a Twitter comment from Quiet Hydra, at Quiet Hydra, who said that they played the demo this time last year in a Steam Next Fest. Um, they wished that they had played it on Switch, because they think it would have been a good game to kick back with on the couch and play. Um, and while I said earlier that I think this might be a nice one for the Pro Controller, um, or, or a mouse and keyboard if that's what you're accustomed to, I do have to say that the general mood of this game, and the vibe of this game, the look and feel of this game, made it a perfect game to play on Switch handheld and wherever you are most comfortable, whether you're laying back in the couch or playing it in bed, ironically, when you should be going to sleep and not looking at screens. Um, I do think Melatonin is a nice fit on the Switch. It's not expensive, I think it's £15, and I think it's well worth it for that price. It's a game that I will come back to, I think. But there are lots of other games I'll be wanting to get to first. Uh, the Steam Next Fest ends after the weekend. I will get this podcast out tonight on Friday the 10th, um, just so people can hear it earlier and maybe play some of these games that are available right now. I'm going to try out Shadows of Doubt. I'm going to try out Mika and the Witch's Mountain. I'm going to try out Radio the Universe. Um, I'm really looking forward to trying out those new games. There's so much to look forward to this year. I would also like to say a big thank you to Dave C and to Dovetail True 17 in the Discord, who uh, felt inspired to raise their pledges on Patreon this week. It's lovely that anyone gives any money at all, but it's especially lovely if they start at the lower level and they end up raising a pledge and sticking in the community and really appreciating not only the podcast, but the, the people in the Discord. So thank you very much to Dave C and thank you very much to Dovetail True 17 If you would like to join them, it's patreon.com slash gaminginthewild for that. Um, and yeah, a big thank you to all my patrons. I've really felt like our, our Discord community is really kicking off lately. It's felt like... It's just alive. Every time I open it, the channels are buzzing. I'm always excited to come in there and see what people are talking about. So thanks very much to you for listening. Thank you very much to all of my patrons. I'll be back next week with another episode. Um, I know what it's going to be about for once. I know that at the end of every episode, I say, I'm not sure what I'm going to talk about next week. But this week I am. The 17th of February sees the release of Birth. This is a game that I've really enjoyed playing through and that I'm really excited for everyone else to play too. A hand-drawn, point-and-click, tender, heartfelt puzzler with physics in it and with a a sad and strange story. Um, It really stuck with me. Um, I am going to be talking to the developer of that game, Madison Carr, as well. So please do wishlist Birth and check it out when it comes out on the 17th. Um, You'll be hearing me talking about that one next week. Um, Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Take care of yourselves and each other. And bye-bye for now.